Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Over the last few weeks on my heart, is interesting because I'm a, I'm a, music moves me. It always has. I come from a musical family. I love music. So the minute God gave me the title of this message, uh, the first thing I was thinking is, imagine all the people, right? So I was like, Lord, those people who are musical people are going to immediately start thinking about that song. But this morning's message is Imagine, and it's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. Uh, if, if, by the way, please try to bring your Bibles it's really important. Uh, unless you are willing to take your phone and put it on um, airplane mode so that you can't get any notifications, I promise you, for what, 7,000 plus years of existence, and now just these few decades that we've had phones, we've made it. If someone needs you that bad, I promise you, not only can it wait just a few minutes, but if not, we have a phone in the church that they can answer in the back there if somebody needs you that bad. Give them the church number. But what I'm saying is we've got approximately three hours a week that we're able to come together to worship and allow in the fellowship of worship as we offer a sacrifice of praise and worship. The enemy is at distractions and diversions, right? He's a diverter. He's a distractor. And if you have a Bible in your hand, I can assure you this thing gets nothing while I'm up here. There's no notifications I can get. There's nothing. If you're able to turn your phone on airplane mode, well, more power to you. But I would encourage you to get your Bible. The reason is you can highlight your Bible. You can write notes in the margins of your Bible. And that's at a very important. I have a Bible that my parents gave me back when I was as lost as lost gets in 1991. I have that Bible. There's stuff all. I've got about three of them because I've worn all of them out. The one you guys gave me last year for pastor appreciation that you put the new spine on is the one that my mother gave me when I was super lost in 1991. Still have that. But I have the notes that I've written in that Bible for years and years and years. And I'm looking forward, uh, well, upon my death, my family will be able to give that to my children. And they're going to have that as a gift to see the blessing of what God meant to me and the encouragement that I got from God's word. But you can't do that. You're not going to hand your phone to your kids one day with the margins written in and all these little things that you can write in there. You can write prayers on the, the edge of your margins, the, the, the heartbreak, the heartbeat, the ch- encouragement, the challenges. But again, you can't do that when you've got a phone that you've got that with. So I just want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church on Sundays. If you use your phone the rest of the week to read, that's fine. But please get in the habit of doing that. And another reason I'll tell you, The little eyes are watching. The little eyes. When they see that that's important to you, if for no other reason, I watch some of my little ones at the table, and you know what I've started to notice in the last, really the last few weeks again, I've noticed that a couple of them are watching how I even eat yogurt out of the cup. And I watch peripherally, they're doing the exact, exactly how I do. I say that to tell you how and what we do Many times will determine how and what they do. We can talk a blue streak, but if we say, do as I say, then what we're doing is we're making a big mistake and an error. How about do as I do? Paul says what? Look to me as I look to Christ. 
And that's what I hope every one of us will understand about that. Please get your Bibles and read them. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Again, we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. And if you're physically able, let's go ahead and stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without foundation. And so is your faith. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for the good news. The good news of the gospel, Lord, the gospel message. Lord, there is no other name under heaven by which a man must be saved. And Father, I pray today as we thank you, Father, for the blessing of the men and women that have served for this nation. Lord, let us never forget this nation would not be a nation had it not been for your blessing. Father, thank you for all that this nation has represented throughout the ages, God, and I pray that it will continue to as we all recognize and as we pray that a revival would sweep this nation and bring us back to our first love, that we will never forget the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who made it all possible. Lord, we commit all this to you and we ask it in the name above all names, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. May be seated. Now, November 11th, if I would say most of you know that, if not, you'll learn a little bit of something. Veterans Day is November 11th every year, and it was selected as that day because the end of World War II was at 11 o'clock on November 11th, 1918, at the 11th hour, the 11th day, the 11th month. That's why it was selected as the time that they would celebrate Veterans Day. And I want you to think now, because I was like, God, what would you, how does, you know, I always want to make sure, number one, that God is a focus. I want to make sure Christ is a focus. I also want to understand the great immense focus and the service of veterans, but I don't want that ever to trump what matters most of all, which is the sacrifice of Christ. But I got to thinking, as God laid this on my heart this week, to imagine, I want to imagine two, basically two parallels, two scenarios. The scenarios is... This, imagine if there had never been a Revolutionary War. Imagine if there had never been a Civil War. Imagine if there had never been a World War I, a World War II. Imagine if we didn't have all of those. Why would it be? There wouldn't have been anything worth defending. Why do wars occur? occurs because either you're trying to defend something or you're trying to gain something. You think about the battle with Jesus Christ, the enemy's desire to try to, remember, have all the babies killed? Didn't want Jesus to live, wanted Jesus to die. Why? Because he knew what Jesus was and meant. Of course, he could not trump God's will and God's plan and God's purpose but I think it does us well sometimes to imagine. Imagine today if we're like many nations around the globe today that don't have a religious freedom, don't have a freedom to assemble and get together and to worship and to focus. And imagine this morning if Jesus hadn't come in the first place. Same way you imagine with the nation never having these wars to defend freedom we have today, imagine Jesus had not died. What would we be doing today? I know we would be hopeless. 
I know we would have no peace of God that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts. But also, if we had no nation with the spiritual freedom to defend, we wouldn't have had a Veterans Day today. There's so many different things that we often, I really think, don't recognize. And I think the recognition of these things is super important because what it does is help us appreciate what we have been blessed with. It's heart-wrenching. Uh, there's a, a show called Waters World. If you've ever seen Waters World, uh, he goes around, especially during like 4th of July and these patriotic holidays, um, and goes around the different cities and talks to the average person and asks them, hey, what does this mean to you? I've shared this before, but I remember in particular just a couple of years ago, he went out to California, of all places to go, right? And he went out to people that had been around my age, you know, 20s to 40-ish, 50, and He's like, hey, what is this? What's, what's 4th of July represent? What is it? Well, I don't know. It's a long weekend. And it was sad because the vast majority of people had no clue what it meant. They had no clue when he went and asked them what Memorial Day, Memorial Day weekend. It's just another long weekend. So then he goes with the one at 4th of July and says, you know, what, what, what year did America gain its independence? Uh, I don't know. It was like 1976. And I actually wanted to pop into the camera there and say, you're allowed to vote? You're literally allowed to vote? You know that people that become American citizens in many cases know more about our Constitution, about our political system than many Americans do. That's sad. Because how in the world can you make an effective voting decision when you don't even know what this country means? When you don't even know what this nation was founded upon? But then ultimately, when you send your child on one of those big yellow tubes in so many cities, doing nothing more than indoctrinating them in things that are completely anti-American in the first place. Anti-God, anti-hope, anti-everything. And it's heartbreaking. I'm not in here to, to start a big political discussion this morning. Politics must influence your religion and your religion must influence your politics. Hands down. Doesn't matter what you think, it does. And if it doesn't, then you are out of step with God's word. Amen? Because I know what the Bible says in terms of supporting Israel. Those that bless my people will be blessed. Those that curse my people will be cursed. And what they're asking them to do right now, oh, will you please stop bombing Gaza right now, would be the same thing as if America after 9-11 had been told, please uh, slow down your response to what occurred on 9-11. How would America have handled that? Huh? Wouldn't have been pretty, would it? Oh, we're sorry we've responded such a way. But it's, it's sad because, again, it, it just shines a light on all of the anti-Jesus sentiment worldwide. This disdain, this hatred for everything that represents the cross of Christ. God's promised land has been God's promised land from day one. The people of Israel have a right to God's promised land. And by the way, who gave it to them? God. 
So how would you say you don't have a right to the land that God divinely gave you? Again, there's nothing more that we can say to that because ultimately at the end of the day, we either trust God's word and we trust God's truth or we can believe the barrage of lies and foolishness that the devil has placed in the front mainstream culture right now. This morning, this is the main thing of all imagine. Imagine a nation that isn't because there was no religious freedom with which to defend in the first place. There was no nation with which to establish the freedom of religion, not from religion, as people are saying these days. The Lord established this nation with the blessing of the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. There is no confusion in that. That's the reality of what it was. And it will only remain a free nation as long as God is at the premier, 100% preeminent position in this nation's culture. When you go into the Supreme Court doors, if you've ever seen a picture of them, because I would assume that you've not been in there, good luck now. But you know what's on the inside of those two large oak doors when you go into the chambers? The Ten Commandments are carved in those two oak doors. Ironic, isn't it? Because yet, what do we hear week in and week out as they're attacking this separation of church and state? It's also ironic that the laws of this land until really about 30-some years ago, well, I guess really because of the prayer and really... What are those laws founded on? Because if there's no truth, how do you establish a system of laws in a nation? What is law? Does not the standard have to be what? Does it have to be absolute? Or is it a relative standard of truth? Meaning, truth relative, what is a law? What is a law based on? What is right and what is wrong if there is no absolute law giver? How in the world, if there is no absolute lawgiver, can you even say for a moment that murder is wrong? No, it's survival of the fittest then, is it not? You have no rights if there's no moral lawgiver. Who in the world are you to tell me that murder is wrong? Because there is no standard by which dictates that it would be. See, that's what's so foundational and fundamental in the reality of God is that everything in our nation's history up until we got extremely sidetracked was based on the character of God. The character of God says that you don't kill someone. The character of God says that. God didn't even have to speak it. It's in his very character. The character of God says that you do not covet. You don't want to take away what is not yours. You don't desire to take away and to want what God hasn't given you. That's in God's character. God's character says, don't bear false witness. Why lies? That is anti. It's everything that is opposed and in opposition to God. So when you think about that, you begin to establish, even at the basic of fronts, this standard of absolute morals is based in the God that established this nation, that blessed this nation, that has poured out his blessing on this nation, in my opinion, like no other nation in the history of all mankind. 
But see, if Christ is proclaimed, listen to verse uh, 13 again. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. First thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. Imagine life without salvation. Again, we're not here. I don't know about you, but we have less time in our lives than ever. You don't have time to go mess around with something that has no true substantive meaning, do you? I guess maybe if you're retired and you don't have anything else to do, you can come up here and hang out. And, but for other people who have families and have jobs, you don't have time to waste. You don't have an hour three times a week or a few hours to invest your time in something that has no meaning. Imagine. Imagine this morning life without salvation. Imagine a nation that is not even there. Can you imagine what our lives would be had God not established this nation? I can give you a little bit of a as much as I possibly can, a window into an existence that's that. It's the Kim Dynasty in North Korea. If you know anything about the Kim Dynasty, they worship him as God. They worshiped his father, Kim Jong-il, and then his grandfather, Kim Jong-sun, like they are gods. They have these foolish, made-up things that, you know, they came off the... It's just crazy but they literally had a, an eye doctor, an optometrist that went over, an American optometrist that went over to North Korea a few years ago. I watched a documentary on it and went over and gave the basic of eye care, which, you know, they're flawed, very flawed in being able to do that for their citizens. So the doctor goes over there, does these rudimentary basic treatments that we do here in our country every day. And some people who had been blind were able for the first time in their lives at 60 and 70 years old to see for the first time. And it was ironic because in the follow-up after these treatments, the, the number of weeks later, they'd been wrapped up and had their eyes covered. They take the, the dressings off. They pull the, the gauze off their eyes, and then they can see, start crying. And the first thing they do is the picture on the wall. They go over there and start weeping in front of this. Not, not hugging the doctor that had done the treatment. No, they go and... Worship the one that just healed their eyes. By the way, why hadn't he done that before the doctor got there? Amen? See, that's what happens in a nation that doesn't have the truth, the gospel, that doesn't have a living hope, a lasting hope, a real hope. Deception fills the void. And it's because of the blessing of God this morning that not only... For 49 years have I, at two weeks old, my mother and, and father took me to church for the first time. I don't remember it. Amen? But I went. I was drugged to church every week. I was involved in everything that you could be involved in. I remember all those years being in church. I've never even, until I've gotten much older, ever even fathomed a world that was a world without the gospel, the world without truth. The world without the privilege, and in my home growing up, it wasn't a, well, are we going to go to church? Let's see what we think. Anybody busy? Are we okay? What are we going to do? It was never that. 
It was never a question, are we going to worship this morning? It was, beyond a shadow of a doubt, an absolute. My whole entire life, never, ever, ever did my parents one time ask me, would you like to go worship today? It was a given. That was what my parents' lives were and have always been my entire life. My parents grew up that same way. I know there's many of you that did not have that. It breaks my heart for you. So thankful that you're in fellowship now and you have that ability to not only grow in Christ, but to establish that for your children, what was lost somewhere in your family lineage. But I'm thankful this morning because we are able, and, and contrasts help us, don't us, to understand things. I know they help me. Anybody else have a contrast help you? When it's 105 degrees, or when I went out to uh, see John when he was out at 29 Palms, it was 120 some odd degrees, almost 130 degrees in Death Valley. Those contrasts help me appreciate winter. And when you're in the wintertime and you're outside, and if you've ever gotten wet when it's around 15 or 20 degrees outside, you are so thankful for that 100-degree day. Those contrasts help us. You know, if we lived at what all of us say we want, right? Oh, what is heaven going to be? 75.6 degrees, you know, whatever. Older I get, the hotter I want it to be. Amen? Like, give me 78.5, right? What's wrong? Y'all young? You're young, don't worry, you'll get there. One day you're going to like it closer to 80, I promise you, with a sweater on. Amen. But I'm thankful for the contrasts. Because the contrasts help me. Going and studying, and even going around the world to the places that I have been, help me be really thankful for the nation that I live in. When I went to Israel twice, you know what I recognized? At that point, I recognized how precious the safety that they have is. Why? Because when you get off the airplane, I was walking with my brothers. And of course, you know, we have kind of short hair. And over there, that can look a little weird. So when we're walking up the jetway, three guys with Uzis are standing there and say, hey, we want to talk to you. Wow. They were, I don't know if it was our last name or what it was, but not only were they ready to talk to me on the way, they went through everything and, and threw everything on me when we left. Everything. If I would have had anything that I shouldn't have had, it would have been a bad day. But going through that didn't make me mad, didn't upset me. I'm thankful that they profile over there because they have a whole lot of people all over the world that disdain everything that they represent. And what they do is they have to be super careful. And you know what happened on uh, November, uh, October, what is it, 11th? October 7th, there was a lapse. And look what it cost them. They realize that no one around them loves them, no one likes them, no one wants a relationship with them, everyone disdains them. And it's me seeing those and even experiencing that when I went over there to realize how precious safety and security is. Can you imagine the PTSD that's going to ingrain some of those young Israelite children, not only that, but the older ones too? How many of them, anytime they hear a boom, anytime they hear a, a, gun, a gunshot, are going to go, oh no, is this it again? The rest of their lives. It traumatizes them. 
the images that they've seen, the ones that I, God forbid, the kids who experience seeing some of those atrocities committed, they are going to recognize for the rest of their lives the danger that they live in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. See, we don't experience that here. Yes, we experienced 9-11. I was in Washington, D.C., right there by the Capitol when it happened. I know, but I don't live with PTSD over it. I realize that some foolish lapses in security in this nation subjected us to us experiencing in a small amount what so many places around the world experience. But I'm thankful this morning that we have a nation that was founded on the Judeo-Christian values that you and I hold fast. I think that it, all of us could stand to step back and do an introspective look at our own hearts and minds and see how maybe apathetic, maybe indifferent, maybe unconcerned we've been to this thing we know as worship on Sundays, this privilege we have that you hear the preacher talk about all the time, the privilege we have, the privilege we have. You might want to step back and think about that just like when the COVID deal happened and we shut down for a short amount of time compared to so many places all around. But how many people that had come to me and said, Brother Jonathan, I heard you referencing how you never know one day how quickly this privilege could be gone. And we just got to me a foretaste of what I believe will possibly be happening in the future. But what we have been given is a gift. A gift of what? This morning, we have a gift of a nation that was founded on the God that we serve, on the ability and the freedom to serve and worship him how we want to worship him. It's freedom of religion. So whether you're a Catholic or whether you're an Episcopalian or whether you're a Methodist or whatever you are, you have the freedom in this nation to worship the God that you worship. And this morning... Not only was that founded, the nation founded on that, there are men and women right now that are in places all over the world, many of them you don't even know about, to ensure the protection of us this very morning in this very building, protecting those freedoms that many of us don't even think about. Many of those who Enlist in the service. Maybe you have ones. I know this. I've heard of people that only enlisted because they wanted the GI Bill. They, they wanted to go in, in not a time of war just so they could do their time and then get the benefits of the insurance and things. That's, hey, whatever your, your passion and motivation, I think, I think it should be compulsory here. I think everybody should serve two years, minimum. That's what they do. In Israel, I think it's two or four years. I don't remember exactly what it was. But you know what that'll do? That'll give you an appreciation for what you have. I think sadly, so, as a matter of fact, somebody had a little thing where some kid was, uh, he's about 19, 20 years old now. There had been some rumblings about a draft now. And this young boy said, what are you going to do? You're going to force us to go do it? You've lost your mind. I'm not going to know. I wouldn't do it if you draft me. I don't care. And I'm sitting there thinking, that boy has not a clue about the freedoms that this nation has afforded him, even to say that. The blessing of taking for granted that gift, same way. Many of us take for granted the ability we have to go boldly into God's presence and worship. We don't think, because, you know, Jesus died for us. It's great. I'm, he just better be thankful I'm on his team. And, you know, God, I'm here. 
Never done anything for you, but you know, can't wait to go to heaven one day, but oh no, somebody pulled a gun to my head. No, Lord, that's not my cup of tea. I didn't sign up for that, but I'm so thankful that I don't have to go to hell one day. See, life in Christ is a life of being all in. You're either all in or you're all out. There's no such thing as, well, I I just want a little bit of Jesus, but I I won't sign up for serving him. I just don't have enough time to. And I'm not a reader, um, you know, so I can't read God, but you know I love you and, you know, I'll watch some documentaries on TV about the Bible and I'll read some Bible studies and that's not what being a follower of Christ is. Being a follower of Christ is about recognizing that God wants us all in. I got a question. Do you think someone who signed up in the military just because they want to get a free ride to college one day? Let's say you were called to war. Do you want them having your back? I don't. You know what I want? I want the person that recognizes the sacrifice of the millions of people in history made for this nation. I want someone who recognizes the preciousness with which freedom can be taken away and how fragile. I want someone who cares about and loves this nation and what it represents. I want someone who lives, breathes, eats, and sleeps Standing up, greater love hath no one than this, that one that lays down their life for their friend. Amen? That's who I want with me. You know why? Because when the lead starts flying, that person's going to be willing not to kowtow and take off in the other direction because, man, I didn't sign up for this. They're going to stand up and potentially be willing to make the ultimate sacrifice to help protect you, to lay their life down. See, that's where we go and you think about this contrast with Jesus. Did Jesus want to suffer? Lord, if this cup can pass. Jesus realized, Lord, if there's any other way to save mankind, Lord, if there's any other way, but Lord, not my will, but yours be done, but I'll be willing and obedient unto death, death and a cross. Jesus knew what it was going to take. And he was willing. He not only died for us, but he died alone. I've been reading the Gospels and I read through the Bible and I've read all. It's heartbreaking as I read it every time as the disciples basically jump ship. Having declared allegiance, even with Peter, right? Lord, I'm going to die and go to the, I'm going to die with you. Merely to next thing you know, I don't know who you're talking about. Jesus died alone, paid a price for us we could never pay. Why? Because this morning, he knows you, and he knows me. You know what he knows about us? He knows everything. And while we were sinners, he died for us. He knows us on our best day, he knows us on our worst day. You know what it's like when you came by faith You know what it was like the moment you drew that line in the sand and the feeling, the overwhelming feeling of the sin debt being lifted off of you. Now I want you for just a moment to imagine this morning if that was all one big facade and this morning you are hopeless. 
Can you imagine what that scripture says? If Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without foundation. Meaning, if Christ hasn't been raised, we are hopeless. That's the truth. We know he has. We know he was. And we know he is seated at the right hand of God the Father this morning. We can imagine that this morning to help us not take for granted and and recognize and realize how precious that gift is and how lost and how hopeless we would be without him. Without him, I would have nothing in that song. Without him, without him, I would be like a ship without a sail. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Oh Jesus, we'd be hopeless this morning without him. But you know what's really heartbreaking? People that sit in services just like this that hear the gospel, but, well, they're young and they've got a girlfriend or the boyfriend and they want to do things for a while now and they know that if they're all in, they can't, God, God's calling us to a lifestyle transformation. And I'm just not into that. I'll wait till later on whenever I decide that I've had all the fun I want to have and then I'll be all in. Or the adults that are in the middle of working life and you know, you're sacrificing everything and everyone in your path, but down the road when I get to retire, that's when I'll get serious about the Lord. You know what that is? That's a statement of a fool. Both scenarios. Because you don't even know the number of funerals that I've done myself in the last 15 years of people that I would see one week or one day and the next time that I saw them was laying before me in a box. They had no idea that eternity they were at the doorstep of. You know what I know this very morning? Each one of us, you can just imagine from the youngest to the oldest, are standing at the edge of eternity. All of us. I'm not saying that to frighten you. I'm a realist. And I think being real is extremely important because I recognize how fragile life is. And I recognize that life is a gift. But I also am well aware of what Scripture says, that our life is a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. I know about the rich man. They said, you know what? I'm going to build bigger barns so that I can store up more. Scripture says, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded of you, meaning you're going to die tonight. Thinking that he had all the time in the world to continue to seek his own ambitions for his own desires and his own fortune and his own striving for foolishness that was what? in one moment, absolutely worthless to him. Yet, sacrificing the most important thing in the process. I've never met anybody in my lifetime. I haven't met one person in my lifetime that's come up to me that served the Lord for years, decades, 10 minutes that goes, you know, of all the regrets I have, I just wish I hadn't spent so much time serving the Lord. I really wish I'd have gone out there and grabbed the bull by the horns and made myself a whole lot more money. I wish I'd have sacrificed my family. I wish I'd have done all of these. I, 
I just wish more than anything I hadn't invested in this stuff called the kingdom of heaven work. Not met one yet. I will tell you what I have met. I've met person after person after person who sat down before me and many of them in tears. Some of them 10, 15, 20, and 30 years and said I would do anything to go back because I got caught in the foolishness of work and I got caught in the foolishness of a girl, got woman, foolishness of some man that deceived me, got caught in the foolishness of all this stuff and I can't go back and get one moment of that squandered and wasted time. Met a ton of them. See, imagine this morning if you're one of those people who has sacrificed the things of eternity for the things of the world. The beautiful thing is if you've got a heartbeat, you have an opportunity today. What opportunity do you have? You have an opportunity to begin to no longer be the fool. You have the ability this morning to begin to build on a foundation in Christ Jesus. You begin to have the ability to store up treasures where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. You have that ability. Now, what did I just say? I said ability. That's not a guarantee. Because I can't make your decision for you because if it was like that, I would will you this very morning not to start just coming to church. No, I'm talking about I would will you to fall in love with Jesus because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt it would give you everything that you're desiring even though you don't even know that you're not experiencing it right now. Because that is where the heartbreak ends and the fulfillment begins. It begins when you recognize that all this other stuff is the lies of Satan doing as he tried to do with Herod and what? Trying to kill all the kids he did not want the world to know the hope of Jesus Christ. And therefore, after he could not deal with Jesus because Jesus was able not to be thwarted, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again, so his next objective was to muddy the waters. Let's muddy the waters. Let's try to attack God's people. Let's divert them. Let's do everything in their power from ever coming to true saving faith, let's get them caught in religion, number one. Let's get them in love with religion. Let's get them in love with thinking the only thing we have to do is sit in a church pew on Sunday and do nothing else for the kingdom. Ain't no problem with that. See, what Jesus wants is a transformed life where your heart's desire becomes his heart's desire, where your desires become his, where your job that you're doing no longer is the job you're working at or doing. You are working for him. Well, wait a minute, my boss is lost. No, when you are serving and honoring, glorifying the Lord, you're not working for that boss. That boss is the under shepherd. You're working for the shepherd. And when you begin to see life through those perspectives, you realize it's not about you, it's about him. It's not, I got upset, so I'm going and quitting. No, you realize that you're working for the Lord, and until God opens the next door, you're going to continue to be faithful doing what God has called you to do. 
It's going to change your attitude. It's going to change your heart's perspective. It's going to change everything because what you realize is you've been crucified with Christ. You don't live, but Christ lives in you. And the essence of your life merely becomes you only want to glorify, honor, and lift up his name in everything that you do because you truly grasp what it would be like without him because you were without him. And you realize that it's only by God's grace that this nation that you live in, the blessed nation, still the greatest nation on the earth, this blessed nation that God has given you the privilege in, imagine a life without it. You can't imagine that. And you can imagine, should you walk out on what you have, you've lost everything. Better not to know the way of righteousness than to know the way of righteousness and turn your back on the sacred command that was passed down to you. So you have nothing to go back to, so therefore, what do you do? You dig deeper, and this morning, if you're that person, you're going, I wouldn't trade it for anything on the planet because there is no hope apart from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gospel part, the gospel commission, the gospel call to be what God's called me to be. Second thing, really quickly, and we're gonna be done in, in, in just a minute. Imagine a life where all you believe is a lie. Imagine today, if Christ hadn't been raised, our proclamations without foundation. Imagine today if you found out it was all, no, it was no, no God, no nothing, no, everything was one big facade or dream. You know it's not the truth because you have the Spirit of God that what speaks to the validity and the truth of God's Word. But just imagine, because it says there, Christ hadn't been raised, our proclamations in vain. We'd be the most to be pitied, wouldn't we? Because we would resting our hope in something that was not real. We know that's not true, but we can also sit back and thank God that what we have is solid and it's real because people all over the globe right now are following things that are not true and not real. And sadly, they are lost and without hope apart from the life-transforming work of salvation in their life. And then the third and final thing, imagine if faith is a lie. Imagine... Faith was a lie. What is faith? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Imagine if all that you'd ever had in your life, you were following a false religion, a cult. One day, you died and realized that, by the way, maybe the first clue would have been that the person with which established what you were believing didn't conquer hell and death, couldn't conquer hell and death, but you never thought about it. Because you'd placed your faith in a person and not in the God of all foundations of Christ Jesus who died, rose again in the undisputable truth that he conquered hell and death. You know what the beauty is today? We have the truth. We have a nation that God blessed and established so that we can do what we're doing this very morning. We have a hope this morning that will not leave us hopeless, that will not leave us empty. We have a living, we have a lasting hope. And not only that, we have the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God that affirms His truth as we seek the truth. Scripture says, seek me with all your heart and what? I will be found. You don't believe all the, the claims of Christ and Christianity? I ask you, to seek him with all your heart. 
and let God, the God of all power and the God of all hope, reveal himself to you. You know what I know? He will do that. Scripture says, if you're not doing it, you have not because you ask not. Are you serious about knowing the truth? I challenge you to get in God's word and seek him with all your heart. Because I know he will be found. Church, we were able to imagine what it's like without a nation that was not established. We know what it's like now to think about what would have happened if the doorway had never been opened to the Gentiles. But now we can come back to the reality of knowing it is the truth. This morning we do have life. We have hope. We have the privilege of celebrating Veterans Day today because there are men and women who have served all throughout the nation's history that have sacrificed greatly, and we are forever grateful. Amen? But we most importantly are grateful to the Savior that died on the cross, that rose from the grave, and established that new covenant that therefore to celebrate that new covenant, this nation was established. We were able to celebrate it freely because of that. My question to you in closing is, where are you in relation to the obedience God calls us to and the place to find that real fulfillment as a follower of Jesus? Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin, Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.